Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. So a man wakes up one Sunday morning, comes downstairs bleary-eyed and tired and finds his wife and kids seated at the kitchen table all ready for church. He looks at his wife in the eye and he says, listen, I'm not going to church today. I'm going to give you three reasons why. Number one, I hate those people. They're the worst. Number two, they hate me. Number three, I'm probably not going to go to church any day for the rest of my life, and I'm going to start today. His wife looks back at him and says, look, I understand how you feel, but you're going to church today for three reasons. One, kids and I are already ready, so we're going to church. Number two, it's what we do every Sunday. Number three, you're the pastor, so you need to actually (laughs) show up to this thing. I don't know about you, Wes, but I have felt that way in the past. Uh, my name's Luke. Um, I have a privilege of talking to you today about joy. Uh, you had Daryl Delhusay with you last week, who was absolutely the A team compared to Daryl. I am the W team. So everybody just kind of buckle up. That's what's going to happen today. Uh, Wes said this. We're in a series of, of Advent. And Advent's kind of a fancy Christian word for deliberate anticipation. It's kind of getting our hearts ready. It's, it's not something that's in the Bible, but it is something that uh, churches and Christians have been doing for a long time. And we get ready uh, for the Christmas season, for the Advent, for the coming of the King, right? For the birth of Jesus. And we're preparing our hearts. And today, we're talking about joy. I love talking about joy. In fact, a number of years ago, my wife would even attest to this, that I had a yearly motto called, it was just choose joy. That was my annual model, choose joy. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this concept of joy really over the course of my life. So uh, here in a little bit, in about three hours when I'm done, um, you really are going to fill your boots with stuff about joy today. So listen, if you have your Bible, I would love for you to open it to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, four biographies of the life of Jesus included in the Bible, 66 books in the Bible, four of them biographies of the life of Jesus. They're deliberate, purposeful biographies of the life of Jesus, and they're called Gospels, and they're named after the individuals who wrote them. The Gospel according to Matthew, the Gospel according to Mark, the Gospel according to John, and the Gospel according to Luke. Not me, Luke, another Luke 2,000 years ago. And Luke does something different in his gospel uh, than John does, than Matthew does, and than Mark does. And he's researched and compiled all these facts about Jesus. And really, he gives us the most detailed account about the birth of Christ. So I'm going to read this passage this morning from, from Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible in front of you, the scripture's up here on the screen. You can look on with your neighbor. And what I want to do is kind of read it, and it's a a pretty big chunk of scripture here. I'm going to read 20 verses or so, so we can get the kind of the overall narrative of what's going on here. So that's the first thing you need to do, is just track with me in what's happening here in Luke chapter 2. We pick it up in verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria, And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds 
living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, calm down. That's the NLT, the New Lucas translation there. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. There's our key word for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord thus far. So listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus in on one verse. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on that one verse, do not be afraid, for I bring you tidings of great joy. Because I want for us to define this word joy. Because I think a lot of us misdefine the word, not just in culture, but in church. So we're going to spend a good chunk of time defining that word joy biblically, both here from this text and from other scriptures, all right? That's the first thing we're going to do. Second thing is, we're going to zoom back. And we're going to take a look at the context into which joy enters the picture third thing we're going to do is look at just a couple of implications that the Bible has for us and, and instructions on how we can experience and tap into joy. You tracking with me? So we're going to define it first, focus right in on that one verse. Then we're going to look at the context. Then we're going to take a look at a couple of implications. So here's the first thing in the text. The angels pronounce to the shepherds, do not be afraid for I bring you tidings of great joy. I bring you tidings of great joy, good news of great joy. So right here from this text, here, here's the first way we're going to define joy. That joy is the absence of fear. Are you tracking with me? The angel's first words out of their mouth was, do not be afraid. And it wasn't just, you know, people have said this before, I've heard other preachers and pastors say this before, and I, and I agree with it to an extent. Look, if you're a shepherd on a hillside in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, and all of a sudden a thousand angels show up in the sky, you might tee tee a little bit. In your, you know what I mean? Like you might get afraid. And so the angels would need to say to you, listen, we're not going to hurt you. Calm down, right? They would need to say that. And I think to an extent that's true. Except is that the angels take one more step and they say, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for whom? All people. So what the angels are pronouncing here is just not a calm down, I'm not going to hurt you, but this joy that we're bringing to the picture is, is more eternal than it is temporal. Are you tracking? It's global. It's not just here and now. It's good news of great joy that will be for all people. And just like happiness is the opposite of sadness, just like contentment is the absence of wanting, joy is the absence of fear. 
Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy. Let's keep going here. Courage is doing something in spite of your fear, right? How many of you, like, do you hate roller coasters like I do? I think they're awful, right? I think, like, whoever invented them was, like, trying to punish people. You guys ever been to Great Wolf Lodge? Anybody ever been to Great Wolf Lodge? Do you know that one, that one water slide at Great Wolf Lodge? They put you in, like, this tube, like this. Have you, do you know what I'm saying? You know and there's a platform under your feet. And all of a sudden, they go, one, two, three, hold on for your life. And that platform drops out, and you just go, pow, right down the thing. So my daughter wanted to do it. And my wife said, Dad'll go with you. <laughs> Dad's not going to go with you. I don't want to get hurt. You can get hurt. That's fine with you. So I did it, and it was terrifying. It was, the wor- it was the worst experience. It was the worst experience ever. Great Wolf Lodge is great. If you work at Great Wolf Lodge, love it. That slide is awful. It's terrifying. But I had to show a little bit of courage, right? My daughter didn't have to show any courage. You know why? She had no fear. She just simply had joy. It's the absence of fear. It's the opposite of fear. So important for us to just start here. Biblically speaking, joy is the absence of fear. Okay, I want to define it a couple more ways for us. Okay, so here's what we're doing with the, it's like we're lifting up this wreath. Say this wreath is joy. We're going to lift it up and we're going to look at it from about six different angles. Are you with me? We're going to look at it from every side, biblically speaking, so we really wrap our head around what joy is. Here's the second thing I would tell you about joy. Joy is the choice to respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term. I'm going to say that one more time. Joy is the choice to respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term. Okay, two ways I know that from Scripture. First, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born a Savior in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. See, what the shepherds, or what the angels are saying to the shepherds is, yes, God has initiated his kingdom, but he has not consummated his kingdom he has sent his son into the world he's taken on flesh in the form of this baby born in a manger but the kingdom isn't here yet are you tracking so so what he's what they're saying to shepherds is respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term take a take a long-term view a long-term picture See, when James, in James, in chapter 1, when he talks about joy, he talks about joy in the same way. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith will develop perseverance, and perseverance must finish its good work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Let me tell you what James is saying there. He's saying, you're not mature yet. You're not complete yet. You still lack stuff. So what you need to do is look forward to the day where you will be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's the long game. And in the short term, consider it all joy. Count it all joy. 
make the track with me. This is so critical. Joy is not an emotion. It's a willful, deliberate, and premeditated choice to respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term. How many of you have a, like a favorite restaurant in the valley? Anybody have a favorite restaurant? Okay. How many of you have to drive a little while to get to that restaurant? Shoot your hand up. Like, seriously, don't, don't participate with me. Cool. I got to drive, drive a little bit to get to one of my favorite restaurants. There's a place called Los Dos Molinos in South Phoenix. Have you heard of Los Dos Molinos? Somebody just had a spiritual experience. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Somebody's speaking in tongues over there. Um, sometimes Los Dos Molinos is so hot that I speak in tongues as well. But Los Dos Molinos is a long way from the house. But the drive there doesn't hurt me. It's not painful for me because I'm responding now to what is going to be true in the long term. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I get Los Dos Molinos today. Okay? What James is saying is that in the long term, you will be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You're not there yet. So in the short term, make the choice. Consider it all joy. Count it all joy. My brethren, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith will develop perseverance. Perseverance must finish its good work in you so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. How many of you have ever walked alongside someone that's facing death and they're not afraid? Yeah, that's joy. Are they thrilled about it? No. Are they happy about it? That's kind of what I was wanting to do today was die, right? No, but there is a choice knowing in the long term, God will either heal my body now or give me a new body in eternity. So I'm responding in the short term to what will only be true in the long term. That's joy. And that's what the angels are charging the shepherds to do. Here's one more definition. It's not exactly from this text in particular, but it's from the rest of Scripture. And I've amalgamated a bunch of verses here together. I'm not going to quote any of them to you. But I want to I present this one more definition. All right? So we've got joy. We're looking at it from every side. Joy is the absence of fear. It's the choice to respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term. Here's the third definition. Joy is a deep, abiding, spiritual happiness that is evident to those around you. Joy is a deep, abiding, spiritual happiness that is evident to those around you. I've heard pastors and preachers say this before, that joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy comes from within. Happiness is temporal. Joy is eternal. I get and I buy all those things. Here's, here's why I call it a deep abiding spiritual happiness. Because I think as Christians, sometimes we say, I have joy. And, and we're excusing ourselves to be grumpy. You ever, have you ever met a Christian like this? And if this is your spouse, don't nudge them, right, while you're sitting here. Like, I have joy. I'll tell you that right now. I've got joy down in my heart, deep, deep. I've got a lot of joy in my heart. So somebody ought to tell your heart to tell your face, my guy. Like, <laughs> like your attitude stinks. I don't think that's a deep. And, and it's evident to people around you. That's, that's what, it, even these shepherds leaving this place are glorifying God and praising God and telling other people, it becomes evident to people around you that you've got joy. You, you want to you roll the dice this week? Ask your coworkers if you're a joyful person. 
<laughs> Somebody's like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Right? It's evident to those around you. The great evangelist Billy Sunday once said this, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Ow. That one hurts. So here's the deal. Part of what I wanted to do today was define joy for us. And, and that's just a couple of definitions from the text and from the rest of Scripture to understand what joy is. We lifted it up. We looked at it from a couple different angles. Okay, we got it. Here's the second thing that I want to convince us of that we're not experiencing as much joy as we may think we are. As we say joy, we throw this word around joy, but then all the while we live in fear. All the while, this thing that's supposed to be a deep abiding spiritual happiness within us is not evident to those around us. All the while, we're responding to short-term circumstances when God's got a long-term game in mind. I want to show you from the text. Ready? Here's the context. We zoomed in on the verse. Now we're zooming out. We're taking a look at the context, right? Here's the thing. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that all the world should be counted. This is not just a census to count people. It's a taxation likely to fund a war. This was the first census when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Do you see the pains that Luke is going to in order to explain to us that joy enters into a specific historical context? Do you see how much detail he's providing us? Are you tracking with me on that? This is not just kind of this ethereal kind of, you know, nirvana kind of thing. No, Jesus entered into a specific historical context in, in a specific and real way. Joy's got teeth. Joy's got grit. It, it, it's not a kind of a transcendent kind of forget about life thing. It's a have no fear in the midst of it. It's choosing to respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term in the midst of a real and true historical context. Here's the second thing Luke tells us, that joy enters into the midst of an oppressive government. <laughs> Some of you are like, you know, I'll, I'll just mess with you this morning. Fox News people, I'll mess with you this morning. Um, <laughs> some of you are going like, we're having this guy back. Oh, wow, okay. I, I know that we feel troubled sometimes about the State of the Union. I know that. Even whatever side of the political aisle you land on, we feel troubled about the State of the Union sometimes. I get it. You know we're nowhere near Rome 2,000 years ago, right? <laughs> we're nowhere near Caesar Augustus just taxing poor people to fund his own war. We're nowhere near the Pax Romana, that is to say the peace of Rome. This is how they kept the peace of Rome. Listen, you'll keep the peace or I'm going to draw this sword and stab you in the neck. Listen, you'll keep the peace or I'm going to nail you to a Roman cross. That's how they kept the peace in Rome. The early church uh, uh, gathered where there's an emperor named Nero who was covering Christians in tar and lighting them on fire and putting them on stakes to light his garden parties. This is an impressive government, men and women of God. This is what Luke is telling us. Number three, joy enters into the midst of a personal crisis. It's a personal crisis. Did you catch it? Jo Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary, who was with child. She's knocked up. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not supposed to say it that way. She's with child. <laughs> 
And now, there's, there, there, there is sometimes, not always, but in our modern culture, there's shame sometimes attached to being pregnant out of wedlock. That happens, okay? 2,000 years ago, it wasn't just shame. Like, these people would have been afraid for their life. This is a personal crisis. This is, without question, an unwanted pregnancy. It, it, it took an angel showing up to Mary and go, hey, you calm down too, <laughs> I've got plans for this, and God's got plans, in order for her to back off this personal crisis. It took an angel showing up to Joseph and say, I know you have a mind to divorce her quietly, right? Joseph's only assumption, this girl gets pregnant, I've never slept with her, I'm just doing the math here, sweetheart, right? And he wants, he's a righteous man, he wants to divorce her quietly, so an angel's got to show up to him and go, calm down, I know it's a personal crisis, Joy enters into number four, an impoverished lifestyle. Did you catch it that there was no room for them at the inn? There's no room for them in a guest room? Now, this wasn't like a Holiday Inn Express, right? They didn't show up, no vacancy, right? When people would travel to their hometown, like Bethlehem was Joseph's, because he was from the house and the lineage of David, who are they staying with while they're there? Family. So this is likely family that says, sorry, Slick. And likely because there's an unwanted pregnancy, right? Finally, put that last slide up there. Joy enters in to the midst of an improbable herald. Angels show up to shepherds, and shepherds now are the first to come to this newborn king and glorify and praise God and tell a bunch of people what they had seen. Now, I know that we think of shepherds like, you know, they're wearing a tunic and they've got a staff, and you know what I mean? And they're, they're shepherding the sheep in the field. And that's not inaccurate, but listen, shepherds were notoriously bad people. Like, they were notoriously thieves. They were day laborers. This was kind of the, the bottom of the barrel in, in kind of first century Palestinian culture. Listen, what we have, our only modern comparison would be like the hell's angels. This is what, this is what shepherds were back then. So, so here you've got an angel entering in and saying to these shepherds, the Messiah that we've been waiting for, for now thousands of years has been born into the world and you're the first human beings on the planet to know other than birth mom and birth dad. Isn't that cool? Now watch. If joy is the absence of fear, and some of us think to ourselves, yeah, I experience joy, I experience a fair bit of joy, I want you to look up there on the screen and find which of those things you're most afraid of. Watch. Joy enters into an historical context, a very real and transparent moment. We are so deathly afraid of being real, of being transparent, of telling our significant other how we really think and what we really feel of being totally and completely honest before God. We are so deathly afraid to that that we run and escape with booze and porn and golf and fishing. That's fear that drives you away from real and transparent living. I read a Harvard study last night. Number one fear for 2020. What happened in 2020? Everybody talk, tell me what it, what it was. Okay, listen, I lived in Canada during that time. 
And if you know anything about Canada, this is, this is how Arizonans responded to the pandemic. Like, yeah, we, yeah, the COVID thing, yeah, we heard something about it. <laughs> yeah, that's Arizonans, right? Number one fear for 2020, do you know what it was? You know what it should have been? What? COVID, that's what you expect it to be. You know what it was? It was a corrupt government official. Corrupt government officials, number one fear from 2020. We are so afraid that the government is going to collapse, that the Democrats don't want the Constitution anymore, right? That the Republicans hate everybody, right? We're so terribly, some of you are like, no, I'm not that really afraid of that, but some of you are going, yeah, that's real. That's, that's real fear. Except the pronouncement is that the government one day will be on his shoulders. So you have a choice to respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody just got convicted too and they're like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> We're afraid of a personal crisis. We're afraid of a loved one dying. We're afraid of our marriage falling apart. We're afraid of whatever that personal crisis might be. We're afraid of our kids going wayward or our kids coming to us and say, mom, dad, uh, I'm romantically attracted to somebody of the same sex. We're, we're, afraid, we're afraid of those things. We're afraid of an, an impoverished lifestyle. And I'm not saying saving and putting money into your 401k is a bad thing, but when it's fear that drives it, and all the while Jesus is saying to you, look at the lilies of the field, how they're clothed in all their splendor. Even, even women getting married don't look that good. That's, that's NLT, once again, I get it. But that's there, it's there, read it. Say, I'm gonna take care of every need. And we walk around afraid. You know what? Here's the improbable herald part. We are so afraid of the other. Somebody that thinks differently than us. Somebody that sees the world differently than us. Someone that's on the other side of the political aisle. Someone who thinks differently about BLM or CRT or uh, the COVID vaccine or Trump Biden. We are so afraid of listening to someone else's perspective that we have created entire social networks that will just put you in a little feedback loop of people that think the same way you do. That's what Facebook bots do. They search your Facebook posts and they go, that person really likes that stuff, so we're going to feed it to them all the time because we are so deathly afraid. And all the while, the commandment of Scripture is, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy. So we've defined joy to the best of our ability in 35 minutes. We've, looking, we've taken a look at the historical context, and hopefully to some extent, I've proven to you that maybe we have a little more fear than we, than we thought we did when we came in. At the very least, I've proven to you that fears haven't changed in 2,000 years. There ain't nothing new under the sun, friends. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you one charge. As we prepare our hearts for Christmas, and responding in worship to this king of glory who came in the flesh. One charge that will help you experience more joy this Christmas season. And I want to speak to two different people. One, I want to talk to the person in the room who is not yet a follower of Jesus. Here's the first thing. God loves you unconditionally without strings attached. That's the very definition of grace. 
He loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. He thinks about you all the time. He wants great things for you. He wants human flourishing for you. Why? Because he created you in his own image. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't quit early on you. And you're here because the will of that sovereign God is to extend grace to you. And so my invitation to you this Christmas season is to do the very same things that the shepherds did in verse 17. They ran quickly. Did you see it? They ran quickly to see, let us go, see what's happened. to. I picture this stuff in the scripture. What happened to the sheep? Like, come on, like, Luke, fill in the gap for me, bro. Like, like, could you just imagine me? Bah. Like, I don't Where are these guys going? And look, look, if you, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, here's what the, she, the shepherds didn't, you know, they didn't become, you know, priests that day. Right? They just went and saw. Here's the invitation. This is the invitation of Jesus in John chapter 1 to his disciples. Just come see. Just come see this thing that's happened. Run quickly to Jesus. He's the source of joy. The absence of fear. Here's the second thing. If you're a Christian in the space, here's my implication. This is verse 19. This is so unbelievably critical. Listen to what Mary did. But Mary, did you hear it? Treasured these things up in her heart and she pondered them. Now originally, those two words, treasured and pondered, are two different Greek words. Luke is no dum-dum. He uses two different Greek words on purpose. The first one is like a savings account. She's treasuring up these memories. She's hiding them in her heart. She's looking at all the things that are happening going, yeah, some, some, some wise men from the east showed up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is wild. Shepherds just heard this on a hill and they're going, there were like a thousand angels out there talking to us about this. This is wild. She's starting to treasure these things up. You know what? This, it's the same Greek word that's used when Jesus was 12 years old, right? He's in the temple and they're celebrating Passover and Mary and Joseph get in the caravan and head back home and they leave Jesus in the temple at 12 years old. Could you imagine that conversation between Mary and God after the fact? Like, look what happened. I lost you. I... I left you, right? You left God in the temple. That's a mistake, you know? So she comes back, and Jesus looks at her and goes, How, what, what, why'd you look for me anywhere else? How, you know I'd have been my father's house. So Mary treasured all these things up in her heart. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. She pondered them. It's the same Greek word for conversation. Isn't that interesting? So it's these memories that are talking to Mary in her head. Not that she's got multiple voices going on, all right? But there's talking to Mary in her head. So here's my encouragement, Christians, this Christmas season. Mind your thoughts. Treasure up stories of the faithfulness of God. Let those stories of God's goodness and grace through the ages and to you in this moment be what is talking to you and having conversations in your head. It's interesting because that second word about pondering, there's an implication there that Mary does not yet know the outcome. 
Those things are still rolling around in there. Do you see she's responding in the short term to what she only knows will be true in the long term? Do you see it? And men and women of God, we feed our fear more than we feed our joy. You ever seen Little Shop of Horrors? Feed me, Seymour. You remember that? Like this dude Seymour has this plant. It's like some, you know, and all of a sudden he figures out that the plant eats blood, right? That's how the plant really grows. And he keeps feeding this plant, feeding this plant, and the plant keeps growing and growing and growing. And by the end of the the play, by the end of the show, this thing's about to eat Seymour, right? The thing has grown so big. He's like, Seymour, you've been feeding me all the time. I'm going to eat you alive. You feed your fear, and your fear has become a big plant that's going to eat you alive. And you know what you feed it with? Track with me, and I might not be invited back next week. You feed it with talk radio. And you feed it with Instagram. And comparison is the thief of joy. And you go, I'm afraid I'm never going to have abs like that. I'm afraid I'm never going to be that good a mom. I'm afraid my kids are going to turn out squirrely. I'm afraid I don't look that good without makeup as that girl looks. I'm afraid I can't bench press that much weight as that guy. I'm afraid I'm a a FOMO. We haven't even words for this stuff. Fear of missing out. I'm afraid my vacations aren't going to be. And and look, I'm not saying that Instagram is bad. I've been off. I I got rid of social media before Instagram even existed. I've been off of social media for a long time. I just can't handle it. I can't handle it. I I think it's bad. But it steals my joy. The thief uses it to steal, kill, and destroy in my life. Men and women of God, I would invite you this Christmas season to mind your thoughts. Feed your joy, not your fear. Turn off your Instagram. Give it a month. You can turn it back on after a month. Turn off the talk radio in your car. And you know it's designed to incite fear, right? That's what the news is there for. What's in your tap water that you need to know about? (laughs) News at six, right? Like, I didn't know what's in my tap water. I'm going to die. You know what? Guess what? Someday you are. Someday you are. But I've got good news of great joy. That's for all people. That when you die, if you know Jesus, he will collect you into his arms and give you a brand new body. So, so what, I'm going to die. Do I want to? Mm-mm. Not today, anyway. It's a good day. But I can have joy now because I can choose to respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term. Be ruthless with your thought life this Christmas season and feed your joy and not your fear. Joy is a deep, abiding, spiritual happiness that is evident to those around you. Joy is the choice to respond in the short term to what will only be true in the long term. And joy is the complete and total absence of fear. And this is what Jesus enters in to a real historical context and an oppressive government and a personal crisis and an unlikely herald and an impoverished lifestyle. And the pronouncement is, don't be afraid. I got great news joy that will be for all the people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the psalmist in Psalm 36 says, at your right hand is the fullness of joy. 
and in your presence are pleasures forevermore. God, teach us to run to you as the source of our joy. Jesus, we ask you to invade our lives just like you invaded human history 2,000 years ago. Maybe an unexpected, even as C.S. Lewis would say, surprised by joy. Rob us of our fear this Christmas season and in exchange give us joy. In Christ's name, the people of God with enthusiasm said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.